Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. I think there's probably a lot of laws about how far a school nurse is allowed to dig in a child's body. That's my expectation is that like if you're beyond like an inch and a half. All right. Now this is a song. <laughs> Just the tip. She, this can't, is, she can't go past the tip. I don't, you might be into this. We got to call a professional <laughs> that, that can come back and take care of this. Oh, no, baby. That's past my case. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, child. Would love to, but can't. You're trying no, to get I'll... me fired. Hold on. Let me call the police. Get out of here, Langston. <laughs> <laughs> something else. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a beautiful episode, beautiful episode of My Mama Told Me, the podcast where we dive deep into the world of black conspiracy theories. And we do it for our granddaddies. We do it for our big mamas. We do it for our pop pops. And most important, we do it and we put our backs into it, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, Langston Kerman. As always, I am so happy to be here with you. What a treat of an episode we have i'm doing well i'm drinking a new flavor of Lacroix today it's called limoncello it tastes like all the other Lacroix, but this one feels exciting it's new it's dangerous and i can't wait for you kids to have it i'm not sponsored by Lacroix. i just fuck with it and i want to talk about it on here but you know what's more exciting than new flavors of Lacroix? it's my guest today she is wonderful you know her from a black lady sketch show you know her from Laser Wolf. You know her from most of the memes on the internet. She is so funny. Give it up for the great Quinta Brunson. 
Hey, LinkedIn. LinkedIn. What's up? Continuing to be a rich white auntie talking about boy. (laughs) I love it. It's the only way to do it. Yeah. I like to put gin in there and then I'm a London lady. It's beautiful. You need to just try White Claw or truly. They're good. I drink them religiously now. Um, That's who I've become in quarantine. Nice. White Claw drinker. Yeah. Is there a preferred White Claw flavor? Is there? I hate to say it. But I just tried the watermelon. Oh, whoa. I know. I know. With an ER. Like, I know, but it's really good. Why do we do that to ourselves? Can you look into that on another one? I do think it's an unfair thing we put on ourselves to pretend as if watermelon flavor isn't the best flavor in all of everything. Yeah. Dolly Ranchers. White yes. like it's really good. I don't know mm-hmm. why we have to go through that. So I'm just trying to give myself freedom and I want to say that I enjoyed the watermelon. That's right. Good for you. Thank in you. quarantine, you are liberating yourself in a different way. <laughs> sure, you're stuck inside, but you can eat a watmelon. I, I didn't eat a watermelon. I drank <laughs> watermelon white claw. You can eat a watermelon in your window while your white neighbors <laughs> watch. It's fine. It's delicious for you. They're not judging. And once I get to the center of the watermelon, a piece of fried chicken emerges. Like, Uh, Um, like, "Mm, marinade. And you just keep going. It's so, yeah, I get what you're doing, Quinta. I'm very excited for your topic. Most of the topics that we get on this show so far have been uh, about murder and mayhem. They've been very heavy subjects that in some way lend themselves to sort of like scary, big conspiracies. And I think your conspiracy theory plays itself into a lighter space, certainly a a less dramatic space. The topic you came up with, this conspiracy theory that you sent us, was Mm -hmm. my mama told me. If you put your purse on the ground, you'll go broke. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Hell yeah. Had you heard Tell of me more. one before? I had, I've heard it before, but I don't carry a purse. So it oh, never, it doesn't. that's right. It didn't mean anything, that doesn't to, mean me. anything to you. Yeah. So I want to know what it meant to you. Why is this important? Okay. Yeah. So I remember when I started carrying my own purse, maybe when I was about like 12 or 13 years old, just as a little cute, limited to fashion statement. Um, <laughs> I used to like carry it around and I have my little dollars or whatever in there for getting water ice or like getting chips or whatever I was about to get from the corner store. And I would put my purse on the floor. Like I'm saying it to you, like, ha, oh, put my purse on the floor. But it- at the time it didn't matter. But it, then yeah. now you're like, in retrospect, I was committing the greatest offense. The greatest sin. And my mom, who isn't a big like, superstitious person um especially because they're like very religious and stay away from those kinds of notions she was just like pick your purse up off the floor if you put your purse on the floor you'll go broke you always have to hang it off the back of your chair or keep it on your arm at all times yeah and little teeny capitalist me just like was that was the worst hold on big dog you talking money all right (laughs) you're talking money i'm listening so i was like let me pick my purse up off the and it just always stuck with me and now to this very day you can ask anybody i carry my purse on me at all times i have a bad habit of carrying it on the stages with me like i'm doing stand up or panel because i just never wanted to touch the floor because it's a superstition that's now embedded in me. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So I have so many questions. 
uh, primarily, you're saying that your mother is not a superstitious person. Yeah. That in general, mm-hmm. she shies away from superstition, but this yeah. one she committed to. Why do you right. think that is? You know, I don't know. I, I never asked her that, but I would assume it was just because money was tight. And if right. she was going to be superstitious about anything, it was going to be about money. I ain't going to play about my money. <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> like, we don't, she doesn't believe in magic. We didn't celebrate Christmas, no Santa, no none of that shit. So that's why, yeah, I think it stuck with me even more because she didn't have a bunch of, like, sayings like that floating around our house. Yeah. That was pretty much the only one. I was just like, all right, I better not, you know. Not commit that right song. yeah i feel like money for black people and money especially for people who are sort of like the head of i imagine your mom in this space was like the head of the household sort of like a mm-hmm. person needing to manage a lot of people it's not something mm-hmm. you want to joke about or even right. run the risk of like doing something playful with money it's like not nah, this is essential so yeah. if there's some saying out there even if it's not necessarily something I normally subscribe to. I'm going to buy into it right now because. Definitely. And there yeah. were five of us, five kids. Oh, my parents shit. were, yeah, my parents, uh, you know, are together. My, they're married and stuff. And we had a dual income household. But I just imagine when you're taking care of five kids of varying ages and trying to send them to college and stuff money is important to hold on to no matter what and they yeah they instilled the you know the being conscious about money into us too so yeah they, they, i yeah. i also come from five although ain't no two-parent combination for me we all <laughs> over the place uh, a <laughs> little bit of this a little bit of that we ain't Truly. all got to have the same daddy we we know each other uh but that being said i it blows my mind all the time that at some point my mom was having to feed four people crazy including herself and then including her husband yes to to make ends meet like that's insane langston it blows my mind i have straight up just called my mom out the blue in the middle of the night and she's like what's wrong are you dying i'm like no i need to know how you took care of (laughs) her I need to know how you made that math math because this don't work in my head. This doesn't make sense. I'm trying to take the cat to the vet and I don't understand how you did that (laughs) with five human beings you loved and cared about. Like you had to keep us alive. I cannot, I still can't wrap my head around it. And that's the craziest thing. Like you're talking about taking your cat to the vet. That's an expense that you probably didn't prepare for, right? Not at all. And you have the means hopefully to be able to keep your cat alive and do what you need to do for that cat. But the idea that a child gets something in their body that they then yeah. have to go to the hospital for yeah. and you just have to come up with the money to make it you work. It's insane. Like you have to keep that human being alive. And yeah, and it's not even have- kind of cool to let them die. <laughs> it's not even like you cannot joke about it at a party. No. Like, you <laughs> have to do that. So I don't know how, how she did it. So yeah, I mean, I guess that could have gone into there. Yeah. Their, uh, money superstition. I remember one year when I was a kid, I, uh, I think I was in kindergarten and my friends and I dared each other to stick Legos up our noses as one is ought to do. And uh, mm-hmm. at age five, we were sticking mm-hmm. Legos up our noses and I stuck mm-hmm. one up my nose too far. Oh, and God. Could not get it out. And, poor mother. Yes. And then had to go to the nurse who then was like, I'm not legally allowed to get this out or try to get <laughs> this out, who then had to call my mother, who then had to meet me at the hospital 
so that they could remove this thing from my nose, you know, through a, a surgery, essentially. Right. And the amount of money that that probably costs my mom and having to leave her job and mm -hmm. pay for a hospital visit because mm -hmm. I'm an idiot. So your parents are worried about money, which subsequently makes them believe in this potential conspiracy theory. And then you yeah. said something that's even more interesting to me. You said that, that you come from a religious household. Yeah. So they're pretty stringent. They're like hyper-religious or they're just like, we go to church every Sunday kind of vibe. Uh, very, very, very religious. So, you know, both of my parents were and are still Jehovah's Witnesses. Oh. And I was raised Witness. And it's a pretty strict, uh, it's, it's kind of the meeting of like the Quakers and the Christian, like a Baptist Christian. Yeah. So people don't know much about the religion, but to give like a short answer, it's just pretty, it's pretty strict. They don't celebrate any holidays. Mm -hmm. Um, they do believe in the Bible, which is interesting to me, because if you look at the Bible from a different lens, it's really just folklore and tales and magical believing, you know, sorry, America. Yeah. But <laughs> it, it, you it heard is. it here first, folks. Uh, Quinta said the Bible's made up. Uh, she don't think it's true at all. <laughs> I don't like podcast links. And if it weren't for you, if it weren't your, I just feel like I need to learn. I'm totally teasing. You're fine. But no, I do I think I think to your point that <laughs> there is something really fascinating about people who are religious saying, yeah. I don't believe in superstition when right. in essence, we don't have any definitive proof of any of these things. Of of They're allegories that were that right. are meant to lead our lives and hopefully make us become better people. Better people but exactly. it, it's not rooted in truth. I don't truly believe that like a bush lit itself on fire and then <laughs> talked to Moses. I think my man got high and he thought about, about it. Maybe a bush was <laughs> yeah. lit on fire. <laughs> my boy was huffing on some bush and then he was like, all right, I, I got some ideas. Maybe we shouldn't kill people. And everybody was like, Mo he was just dog. talking about loud. He was <laughs> trying to say he had some good weed. That bush was fucking lit. And right. talked to me. Um, yeah, they're they're pretty religious people, so they don't believe in many um, you know, just superstitions. Yeah. Um, so it was strange to me that my mom believed in that one and that it was put on to me. Yeah. I have a, a cousin who uh, was a former Jehovah Witness and uh, mm. was excommunicated because she like got a divorce and like that was a, mm -hmm. a big thing, of, mm -hmm. at least in that community for her. Yes. Um, yes. But, you know, the things that I've learned is sort of that like you don't get to make this about you. Right. Like a big part of yeah. Jehovah Witness lifestyle is that we're all trying to get ourselves into heaven and do the work to get yourself into heaven because there are limited seats, right? Like paradise. Like, yeah. Paradise. There's like a thing where it's like, there'll only be 144,000 that will go to heaven. So at some point you just accept, like you're not one of them. <laughs> like I, damn. you just you settle for paradise on earth after Armageddon and you're trying to get there. Right. Um, so yeah, that's what it's kind of built off of, which is a whole other podcast. Doesn't, what's that guy's name? Uh, what's his name? Know. He's, he had the show on, um, the show about stand up on HBO, whatever. He has a whole religion podcast. I need to go get on that. Yeah, and, and talk about being a Jehovah Witness. You and Prince, y'all doing it? Yeah, he a lot of it. us. Prince did it till the day he died, right? He he joined later, which was so unique. It's fascinating to me when people join later in their lives. Uh, 
Michael Jackson started out as mm-hmm. one, stopped being one, and then returned to the faith. Prince became one later. Both Venus and Serena had grown up Jehovah's Witnesses. Donald Glover. It's yeah. unique. It's a weird, yeah, weird place. I will say that as far as religions go, I respect the way that Jehovah's Witnesses move. Like yeah. it's a commit, <laughs> it's a commitment to yeah. a thing that yeah. is often sort of like not demonstrated in other forms of Christianity or yeah. even other religions where it's like, no, yeah. I'm going to go knock on doors. I'm right. going it's to crazy. go have these conversations with my, mm-hmm. my mom used to sit down with some Jehovah's witnesses just to like mm-hmm. talk about the Bible because mm-hmm. they would show up every week. And she was like, all right, cool. If y'all are here, let's, let's yeah. I may not join the church, but y'all are right. cool people. And, you know, you feel it's your obligation to save me from, you know, my entire damnation. So let's do it. Let's Let's see what happens. (laughs) Maybe you're going to talk that talk. I'm into it. (laughs) Yeah, it's um, a religion with strong conviction. um, But like, you know, it's not for everyone. But I don't have any regrets being bought up in it. I think it kept me out of a lot of trouble as a young girl. But then I got older and decided it wasn't for me. I think just the way you can do with any faith. And this is cool. It'll keep you out of trouble. But like most religions, pretty much all religions, it has this bullshit as well. Fair enough. But so one of the things that I think is fascinating in relation to your conspiracy theory is this question of how money plays a factor in yeah. the world of the Jehovah's Witnesses, right? Like, yeah, my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, I very well could mm-hmm. be, is that money isn't meant to be a big thing for y'all. Yeah, um, as opposed to, like, some of the more flamboyant churches mm-hmm. in the Black community. Yeah. Um, you know, like, there's not a pastor who's driving a Benz or anything like right. that. Right. The religion is really based in keeping things as simple as possible. You go to work, to get your money that you need to feed your family and take care of, you know, bills and stuff. But uh, it doesn't push like people making a ton of money or being greedy. It's actually the exact opposite. Where mm-hmm. It's like, don't take part in like a capitalist society. Don't take part in greed and, and needing to have so much money and the most money with that though, you know, the less money you have, the harder it is to, keep everything in order <laughs> right <So. laughs> that's and that's the weird like uh loophole that nobody right. is really in it loophole isn't even the right word but sort of right. like caveat that nobody's mentioning exactly. is like it's a lot easier to commit to this god if i have at least a little bit of money a hundred thousand yeah <laughs> you know man i love jesus when i ain't broke <laughs> <laughs> that's what kills me all the time about people like like Kevin Hart, who was like, I love Jesus. It's like, I bet you do. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> You're rich. I know. It's Every like, rich so, person loves Jesus. It's so easy for you guys. But that being said, you know, Jesus is, is for everyone. Faith and religion is for everyone. So, um, you know, I think most Christian people have this either um, old school Jesus approach mm-hmm. to money, which is like, ah, he said, like, none of us need anything and we want to be simple and help our neighbors. Or you have like the new school approach to money, which is like, get your bread, y'all nigga, because Jesus said so. <laughs> and I'm like, what verse in the Bible? Jesus is that? love to and... see a nigga shining. Go ahead. Go ahead. Look at you. <laughs> you see this chain? <laughs> you see Look at you, Jesus. You're standing out here, Jesus, looking good, baby. <laughs> so my parents subscribe to the former and they, they keep it humble with money but that means that they were pretty good about managing their money yeah my my dad's just like a practical man he's practical 
keeps money in the bank. He always kept the lights on and everything. Same thing with my mom. So I think they just were like, if we're going to live this lifestyle, we got to make sure that money is managed, I'll say. Yeah. Of your like siblings, are any of them now like still fully committed to the way that your parents were living? Or has everybody sort of like made concessions and sort of moved in different directions? As you can see, I'm the complete opposite of what a Jehovah's Witness should be. Oh, I've but... met you. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I think I, I have one sibling who's still in the faith, but she'll never hear this. She's pretty much made her own version of what it means to become a Jehovah's Witness to her, which I admire a lot because I think the faith could use a little bit of a, a software upgrade. Like I yeah. think they need to become lenient on some things and like come into the new world, but that's not for me to say, but you know, um, the rest of us, my siblings, we all have gone our own different ways, but you know, when you grow up that way, you carry nuggets of your past and your faith with you a hundred percent you see it in a lot of religions where they're like hey we're not allowed to eat pork or or uh or shellfish and it's like okay well that's a remnant of a time when eating pork was so dangerous that it might actually kill you it's not applicable now but if that's something that you want to carry with you because you feel Mm -hmm. like okay well it's a dirtier meat like Mm -hmm. i'm not here to judge that go ahead do your thing just don't ruin my pork sandwich Speaking of that, being from Philly, where the majority of Black people are Muslim, they don't eat pork. And so pork just isn't served in Philadelphia a lot. Not even like the white racist areas, like pork is just not the main export. So I grew up not eating pork and I still carry that with me to this day. And that's not even religious. That's just Philly. (laughs) I love the idea that a bunch of like those Philly assholes are just like, they're saying the N word and they're keeping halal the whole time. (laughs) Exactly. Both of those things can be true. Like, fuck yep. you, get the fuck out of our town. I'm going to go enjoy some nice halal chicken. I can't. I'm not going to let you disrespect me. No pork on cheesesteaks. It's true. It's And that that's something that's been carried with me, um, not as a religion. Not, it came from religion, but it's a cultural practice that or I don't really eat pork now. Do you feel like... And maybe this is a tough question for you to answer, but you're a Philly girl. You know Philly well. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like Philly is a superstitious town? Is there a lot of superstition sort of lingering in the city? That's a good question. Thank you. Uh, I thought of it myself. Did you think of that just now? Just now. I don't have any paper at all. That's a good question. I think that it might be. I've never given it full thought, but now that you've asked me that, um, well, you guys are huge on sports. I was about to say that. So yeah. huge sports town. And then besides that, Philadelphia really is so diverse. I, and I didn't realize it until I left Philly, how mm-hmm. many different people were packed into one area. I mean, as a huge black, white, Hispanic and Asian community, like big right. communities. And uh, not only that, like Philly had one of the first LGBTQ towns in the country. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's crazy. And I didn't know that until I, I got older, but like it, it was just a way of life there. Um, and so that and then plus all the different religions, huge Muslim population, huge right. Catholic and Christian, huge Jewish population. And so I think because of that, just like I said, with the pork thing, I don't even know how many things are floating through the air that are superstitions from different cultures. Right. Like, 
you know what I mean? I definitely have a lot of sports superstitions. How much of, of the things that you're growing up with are just something that came from your home or because it was like weirdly connected to like the way that the, the Phillies were going to win exactly. the, the World Series this year yeah. kind of thing? Yeah, like yeah. I have no idea um, what I, I thought it was weird when I went to college in Philly and all everybody else came to Temple. Um, and other black people were like eating pork. I just was like, I just thought this was a thing that black people didn't do. But right. was like, oh, that was the thing that black people really didn't do. You're just sitting there like, look at all these sellouts. Look at I these, really was like these devil worshippers. <laughs> <laughs> Every single one of y'all is coons. <laughs> <laughs> all right. This is great. Well, we're gonna take a break. We're gonna come back with more Quinta Brunson and more my mama told me. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Jean Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. And we are back. Yeah. (laughs) We're here with more Quinta Brunson, more my mama told me, and we are talking about her crazy, crazy conspiracy theory that if you put your purse on the ground, you will in fact go broke. And so I, Quinta, uh, did some research regarding your topic, regarding your conspiracy theory. And I, myself, based on the research that I've gathered, uh, have sort of formed my own conspiracy theory that I want us to get into. And I'm going to throw it out here now. I want your initial thoughts, and then we will unpack everything that I'm saying. 
But I do okay. believe, based on everything that I've unpacked, and this will be jarring for all of us, I truly believe that this conspiracy theory is the workings of the white man and capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> and what? And capitalism. <laughs> this is just the white man trying to steal money out of poor people's pockets. Thoughts? I could believe didn't I could believe it didn't I say in the beginning little old capitalism he was like oh my god my money no so sure. this makes sense yeah okay. okay all right you're not hating it so far I'm glad to hear it because I've got a no. lot to tell you so okay. apparently the original sort of idea of this came out of feng shui you've heard of feng shui mm -hmm. yeah so I that's only knew cousin. feng shui yeah uh, no, I, wait what you I said? said that's my cousin no, <laughs> I'm playing. Um, yes. Okay. So, so feng shui, you know, is the ancient sort of Chinese yeah. uh, practice, I guess, or sort of pseudo science of the way that you manipulate energy. I always right. knew it as like placement of furniture in a room. That's what I knew. Yeah. Yeah. So apparently it's more than that. And okay. figured. <laughs> <laughs> and we just picked the part that seemed that important. We, like. we were like, all right, I'll move my couch. Like, so we can say, yeah, I feng shui'd my home. Right. So it's like, no, nah, you uh -huh. didn't do that. It actually yep. is uh, super complicated and requires <laughs> you to like analyze all these elements and sort of mm -hmm. like harmonize all these different parts of your environment. But beyond yeah. that, a part of feng shui uh, is this thing where they basically said a purse on the floor is money out the door. And part of where that came from for them was this idea that if you put your purse on the floor, if you put your money on the ground, you're not mm -hmm. taking your money, your wealth seriously. You're treating mm -hmm. it as like a piece of shit. So you're going to lose your money like a piece of shit. Mm, okay. Because of the floor, like basically it's like the floor represents lack of caring. Is mm -hmm. that what I'm putting together? Okay. Yeah. Anything right. on the floor is, in essence, you saying you don't care about it, which makes sense, right? Like, that's, yeah, where, that's where we walk with our feet. That's where dirt yeah. gathers. It's yep. where the things that we consider to be the lowest tend to right. live. So you put your money down there. You obviously don't care about it. Uh, it. And so that evolves, right, into, like, this thing where it sort of gets passed down, sort of like what you were saying about Philly, that like mm -hmm. other cultures pick it up and other places start to take this idea seriously and they carry it all the way to like, you know, old English people who begin to spread it like an old wives tale. They're sort of like spreading this legend of like, mm -hmm. if you put your money there, you're a bad person, whatever, whatever. Right. Um, and that expands. And, and obviously it starts off as just sort of like a, a share in old English. They didn't have it written down. So they just said it out loud. And mm -hmm. then it later becomes like a written word. Right. Right. All this to be said that in all the research that I did, nearly everything that I uncovered it all starts with feng shui, but then it ends with like advertisements for purses or for bags or for resources related to bags. Mm, you know what okay. I mean? Yeah. Okay. So it really has led to a ploy to sell a nicer purse so that the nicer purse isn't on the floor. And so okay. all I'm reading all these things that like I'm asking, you know, Google, where does this come from? And they're like, well, it comes from feng shui, but mm -hmm. it makes sense now because bags, like as you well know, an mm -hmm. expensive bag nowadays uh, sometimes can sell for 63% of its value, right? Absolutely. And then, you know what's funny about, okay, let me let Yeah, no, let me, go ahead. I was gonna say what's funny about that is as I got older, 
I'm not I'm not a big money spender. That's not like mm-hmm. my thing. You know me. I'm not like a big flashy person. Yeah. But one thing I will spend money on is a purse. Yes. Like because I think subconsciously, if my purse is very nice, I won't be tempted to put it on the floor. So if I buy myself a <laughs> purse, I do. Like one of the first big purchases I made when I started like making a good amount of money was a Gucci purse and it didn't even go with anything else I have because I'm just not a, you know what I mean? Right. Like, I'm kind of stuck out as an eyesore. Like why does that yeah. <laughs> You got a Gucci purse and a white tee on. This ain't adding up. Your shirt is forever 21. <laughs> and, but it, it helped me to not put the purse on the floor. Mm-hmm. It gave me a reminder to be like, this is too nice to go on the floor. So no matter what, I would make sure that that purse was was never on the floor. So that's interesting. Exactly. So these purses, these valuable items that you're buying are now, even if they are well kept, they said, you know, a, an expensive bag, meaning like a bag from a nice place, but not necessarily one of the highest end bags is like right. worth up to 63% of its value if you were to resell it on all of these places, right? Yeah. But mm-hmm. then this is the crazy part, the limited edition bag. So a bag like the one you bought, which is probably uh-huh. it's Gucci. They're probably not making any more of those, which yeah, means no. that like if you decided to sell it today, it actually could be sold for like, exponentially more than you paid for it yeah absolutely but only if you keep it pristine and clean and all that Mm -hmm. stuff and so in unpacking this i'm like oh that's dope well that makes sense because money you literally are putting money on the floor you're literally risking potential wealth in getting this thing dirty but then i'm starting to think but who (laughs) owns all this shit (laughs) you know what i mean yeah yep who gets Mm -hmm. paid from gucci Right. The white devil. Oh my God. So that's how they get you. The white devil gets you. And he, he comes in and he, he owns Gucci. He owns Louis Vuitton. He owns the other ones that I don't know. Quinta? Is this how most of your uh is this how most of your conspiracies end? Well, this is where I start and then I no. I stay awake all night in a rage. Got it, got it, got it. Um this is not unbelievable to me. I mean, I, I think most things dealing with materialism mm-hmm. all lead there. So in other areas, I'm so like aware of it and active against it. But the bag thing is one I can't shake. But here and I don't think you have to because you can still come up in this. But I'm, I'm starting to see the little signs. Right. So I looked up all these like resale options for bags. And mm-hmm. so there's places like Rue La La. And the yes. real, real in rebag, yeah. and they all sell your bags <laughs> potentially, and you can sell. It. Oh, I did all my research. <laughs> I know about all these places. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's funny for you to say like the real, real. Yes, this was in the real, real right before the pandemic. Yep. <laughs> is so the real, real good? I have no idea. The real, real is good. They, yeah, they they resell very uh, expensive items. That's what they do. So like they resell Gucci and Louis and um, you know any other crazy brand you can think of. Yeah, and I assume they take a commission of some kind. Yeah, for it's like the a, resale. Yeah, exactly. It's a super expensive thrift store. Yeah. So, okay. Mm-hmm. So let's say you want to sell the thing on the real, real, but even mm-hmm. if you don't want to sell the thing on the real, real, when you go to look up, how can I resell my bag? What you end up finding is that like all these other different 
like options for yeah. selling stuff pop up. So like mm-hmm. you see things like bag hooks or mm-hmm. these non-alcoholic wipes to keep your leather nice and soft and clean mm-hmm. and uh bags to put around the bag so that your yeah. bag never has to come in contact with the world yep. even though mm-hmm. it probably looks ridiculous. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like what are we doing? Nothing kills me more than covers for things. Like, remember when there was a point when people started wearing shoe covers on their shoes? Yes, 100%. We went to Six Flags Great America for our prom after prom thing. Mm -hmm. I think most people do some version of that. And literally everybody I knew had uh, plastic bags on their new sneakers because it had rained the night before and they didn't want to get, like, their white Air Forces dirty. Uh It's like, hey, bro, we're wearing trash on our feet. (laughs) this isn't better (laughs) like we all look like assholes to protect shoes that you can't none of us can see i don't know if you're fresh or not you're wearing trash it deeply bothers me for for our people it deeply bothers me (laughs) we'll we'll move on we'll move on and i i'm no better because i tried my hardest to keep my bags pristine so i get it sure we're all fighting a hard fight right now i think we really are just loving each other and trying to love our things while simultaneously holding ourselves accountable for our commitment Uh to capitalism it's weird it's too much um okay so things like like uh like the bags and the purse clips and the wipes they're Mm -hmm. all being sold to you as a way of keeping this bag clean and so a part of me starts to ask well it i asked myself and now i'm asking you does it actually calculate out to be a fair resale that once i give out my commission once i've spent all this money on clips and bags and things to keep my bag precious if i am i just breaking even when i give gucci back the bag that they sold to me in the first place to answer your question i think you barely break even mm-hmm. my solution to that is something i'm pretty passionate about i can't believe i have the opportunity to talk about this right now <laughs> Hold on, I'm excited. Hold on. I know, I can't believe I'm so <laughs> Talk that talk. This is a fun segment we're going to throw to called Talk That Talk. I'm going to give you 30 seconds to talk that talk, whatever it is you want to talk seconds. about. Okay. Uh, Vent, go crazy. I want to talk about sustainable fashion and how we should buy better clothes so that they last us for longer periods in our lives. They should be simple clothing, not bad base clothing that you can wear when you turn 20 or when you turn 40. The kind of clothes you see people like Erica Badu wear. You're like, how does she always look so cool? Well, Erica's had like the same hat for the past 20 years. You develop your own style. You buy sustainable clothing that can last forever. You don't make a plan to resell it. You make a plan to keep it. It saves you money in the long run and it saves the environment. Mm. Talk that talk, Quincy. Talk that talk. Motherfucking bars, nigga. You know nothing about that. Woo. Talk that talk, Quinta. Sustainable fashion, motherfuckers. Stop buying all these trendy clothes and buy some shit you could commit to for 20 years like Erica Badu. Marry it. Yeah. Marry it. Like Langston got married. It can be done. <laughs> it can be done. <laughs> Stop treating your clothes like hoes. Stop. I love that. Stop treating your hoes like clothes. No, your clothes, your clothes like, hoes. like hoes. And vice versa. Treat these hoes with respect, too. You know what? Treat the hoes like sustainable fashion. <laughs> <laughs> you could call her again and again for another 20 years. That's what I did with my wife. <laughs> oh, I love that. 
I remember when y'all said that during your vows. Yeah. I, 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 I cried. I that was, was like, you beautiful. are a tasteful hat that I will <laughs> I always, wear, always be ready to wear. <laughs> that's great. Um, yeah, that's how I feel about that. And I, I think sustainable fashion is like the answer to that and trying to keep our stuff instead of reselling it. Yes. Um, I like that. Stick it to the man. Here's here's something that I was thinking about as I was doing the research and this this uh I guess maybe it aligns with some of the things that I was talking about. What do you think about Drake buying up all these Balenciaga bags and then uh giving them to women as a uh a precious gift? Drake is such a complicated subject for me. Mm-hmm. Um I love Drake. Big fan. Like who, well, a lot of people aren't, but I think they're just lying to themselves. Drake is like ice cream at this point. Like, don't you, it's ice cream. You like it. Stop pretending you don't like it. You may not want to eat it all the time, but you know, if you go, you want some ice cream. I get it. Your your tummy hurts sometimes afterwards, but it's not because it didn't taste good. It's because you got hangups that you got to unpack. You are lactose intolerant, Mm -hmm. but you know, it's still good. And that's how I feel about Drake. With him buying the women bags, I've always had this thought on Drake where he treats the woman who he sleeps with, with whatever they want. And I like that for them. (laughs) I know for a fact, I knew like a girl that dated Drake and he treated her like a princess in that moment. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Now, I think Drake's made it like pretty clear, like he's not looking to wife any of these women. And if you're like signing up for that and you know what you're getting, then I don't see a problem with it. Right. If there's an unfair expectation being set that Drake's like telling all these women he's going to marry them, then okay, maybe it's a problem. But if he's not saying that, and he's like, what do you want? And she's like, a purse. And he's like, I got you. Or he's like, here's a Balenciaga bag, just period, just because. Because I, like, I, I got it. And it's available to you. So while that goes against everything I just said, well, not really. If those girls keep those, they keep those bags Well, forever. I think what he's doing is offering them investment. Much <laughs> like, much oh, like a parachute package for a person being fired from a job. That, you know, they give you that golden parachute where they say like, hey, you know, unfortunately, we got to let you go. But here's here's a little severance. Here's a Here, severance package. Go ahead. Take this Balenciaga. And all you of the sick days you, you never it. took. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you threw that in there, too. <laughs> that's, the, that's the wallet hey, that comes in. Print. By the way, you can take as many sick days as you want now. They're yours. They're, <laughs> They're 100% yours. yours. There you go. <laughs> But no, I think Drake is essentially offering people maybe one of the most valuable severance packages that you can offer someone in a relationship. And he gives it to you up front. He's like, here's the severance package because this is going to end. (laughs) I'm telling you straight up. I ain't committed to you, baby girl, but you don't have to commit to me. Commit to this Balenciaga. Apparently they're like uh, specially made, right? Yeah. I don't know Mm -hmm. enough. The idea is that most of them, they're all one of a kind, like, well, I don't know. That's a whole different subject, Langston. Why do you got me talking about this stuff? Okay. Um, <laughs> Walt Quinta is stuff. really trying to fight <laughs> the idea of like promoting Balenciaga materials on this it's podcast, where I clearly don't know what the fuck it is. My listeners aren't going to so be hard for me. You've you've hit a really deep corner of me that really enjoys brand names, but wants yeah. to fight against so hard it's this is a conundrum for me you know i think if we're in agreement i think we've discovered that the white man is behind all of that urge and uh the only thing we can do is try to identify it and fight it at every corner 
Thanks, Langston. It feels good to always blame it on the white man. Listen, if I've learned anything, <laughs> and, I, and I grew up with a white father, and what I learned very quickly was it's the white man's fault. I would wake up every day and I would say, Daddy, I've got shit to talk to you about, and it ain't got nothing to do with me. Your poor father. Yeah, he's been through a lot. He raised two black boys, and uh, both of them are idiots. It's great. Nice guy. He was really nice. He's a beautiful man. (laughs) (laughs) Not a big talker. He wouldn't do the podcast, but a beautiful man. (laughs) I bet. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We're going to take one more break and we'll be back with more. My mama told me. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. And we are back. Yeah, we're back with more Quinta Braxton. We're back with My Mama Told Me. We're still talking about purses on the ground and how they make you go broke. Did you hear that it was make you go broke or you won't have any money, period? Uh, Make you go broke. I think it was specifically, yeah, you'll go broke. That in theory, you have money now and then somebody would come in and snatch your shit away because your purse was on the ground. You know, it's funny. I never looked at it like that. I looked at it as your finances would go out of order. Uh, I, I looked at it as like you'll have financial disaster, like um, somehow your funds. I'm all about like money management. I get that from my dad. So mm-hmm. to me, it Fred is like your funds will magically get mismanaged. Yeah, like, that makes and sense. And you won't be able to put them back together in, right. in, a, in, a, in a quick order, you know? I don't know. Yeah, I get that. It's not so much of like, oh, you're immediately about to lose everything, but just sort of your life will unwind because you are mismanaging. 
Yes, yes. Yeah. I'm big on management. And like, like, I think that's also my view of money too. Money to a lot of people, there's this view that like, you magically have a lot of it or you magically don't. And mm-hmm. I just never looked at it that way. It was a either a saving thing or you manage what you have to get more or manage it to have what you need. So to me, it always read as like, oh, your management will mess up your money. Right. Somehow. That yeah, yeah, okay. You are responsible for your money. Do the right thing with it. Yes. Hell yeah. I I think similarly, I was taught the same thing that like mm-hmm. you can control this. This isn't like some scary monster above you yeah. that is eating away at your pockets. Like you're in charge. Yeah. Take care of that yeah. shit or don't and suffer the consequences this kind of deal. I think that's something I've learned from talking to you in the past, just as friends and, and not necessarily about money, but our careers, is how you've always, I think, looked at your career similar to how I look at it, where we're very much uh, in charge of things and not that things are just happening to us, but that we're in charge of how our careers go and how we take our time to do what we would like to do in our careers. Yeah, I I think, and maybe you feel the same way. I think part of the reason that I tend to lean on that is not because I actually always feel like I'm in control, but I, right. I think some of it is like an assertion of dominance over a thing that otherwise feels like it's just taking you the fuck out. You know what I mean? That like, if you sit there and go like, the Hollywood monster is in charge of everything that's happening to me. Right. Then I'm just, what am I doing? But if I say like, no, I'm in charge. I'm putting right. my hands on the wheel and Terrence Howard is saying, say it, <laughs> say it. And I'm, I'm in charge. <laughs> yes. I think we kind of look at it the same way. We know that we're not in charge. You're not in charge of anything in life, but I'd like to be able to have, to be like, just because our careers are crazy doesn't mean that we don't have any semblance of control over where we stand in this crazy career. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's play a game. Are you down to okay. play a game? Fuck yes. yeah. I'm excited. This is a fun game that I like to call White, White Lies. Lies. You're ugly. You're disgusting. I'm going to kill you. Give me $200. Hell yeah. White Lies. This is a beautiful game. In this game, what you. Dr. Phil say that? <laughs> but you need to tell me when dr phil said <laughs> i don't do the actual research i just find things that people say and use them okay. for snippets for my own pleasures and enjoyment okay i'll look that up after i'm a rascal <laughs> uh, so in this game white lies you and i we're gonna you're specifically gonna review a more traditional white conspiracy theory right mm-hmm. a conspiracy theory that is essentially a widely held belief in the white community okay and then i'm going to ask you to explore why this conspiracy theory is so important to white people why do they keep this going what are they trying to accomplish okay what are those sneaky motherfuckers up to okay you get it i got it Okay, uh, Ghislaine Maxwell, she's in the news. This feels very poignant. She might be dead by the time this podcast comes out, but who knows? Uh, but she's in the news right now because obviously she's been arrested and mm-hmm. now they're claiming that she might be on suicide watch and everybody's yes. going crazy because they want to know if she's actually on suicide watch or if she is in fact being once again sort of taken out by this, you know, higher power. And so my mm-hmm. question for you, the white lie that I would love for you to unpack is why do white people care so much if Jeffrey Epstein killed himself? 
I think they care so much because they need unbridled proof that Trump is a monster. Mm -hmm. And I think we just know. So it's not that important to us. Like it's more of a, of course, of course he had him killed. Like it's not really that (laughs) also who fucking cares? These are all horrible people anyway. Like I don't care. He's dead. Like, good riddance i understand that it makes it harder for trump to get caught but i often look at the news and just like white liberal twitter like you guys are worried about the wrong things like people are dying people are without food and water right now i really don't as far as i'm concerned those are more rich people problems to me they don't really affect my day-to-day okay hell yeah yeah it, yeah it feels in a lot of ways like they're committed to it i like what you're saying about they need definitive proof that these yeah. people, be it Trump or the Clintons or whoever else that they're accusing yeah. of having right. had him murdered, are in fact bad people. When right. black people are just like, no, we knew. Yeah. Like we knew y'all were bad whether you killed this man or not. This, right. this right. does not offer definitive proof for us at all. All it offers exactly. is like one more notch on your belt of like bad right. people shit that you did. Right. And I feel like they keep giving that to Trump. Like, it's always like, oh, he did this again. And it's like, how many times does he have to do things for you guys? You know, he's pretty clear about it. Like, he's not hiding it. Um, I'm starting to think this guy is racist. And it's like, why? But it's even the people who, like, know he's racist. It's like the people, you guys, people who suck, usually suck in every arena. I, I wouldn't put it past him to also be dabbling and fucking little kid like right. it's not <laughs> right he doesn't have a cutoff yeah if you're willing like to put a kid in a cage you're definitely willing to eat a little kid out you know oh, <laughs> i'm just it's saying annoying but no you're right but it's true though it's true like that man is a monster in human form so i like don't understand when people are surprised by new monstrous information about him but i think they also just feel like if you get the pedophile thing, that's what'll prove it to the conservatives. And it's like, no, the conservatives are in a cult. The Trumpers are yeah. in a, You can't tell them anything about Trump that will change their minds. They'll make up an excuse for it. I think I also get scared that like this sort of uh, conspiracy theory train that uh, yeah. I think a lot of white people have gone on has now split where it's not yeah. just conservative and liberal. Absolutely. It's like yeah. now different tracks of both Absolutely. that have split even more. And so like, even if we get to the point where we prove that these people are in fact pedophiles or are in fact the human garbage that they seem to be, it's not like that's going to bring us closer together. It's just going to drive people further into the shit they already think is true. That information is only useful and maybe um changing the minds of the trumpers who are Mm -hmm. not to me the trump people are not conservatives they're not republicans they're a different tier of people you know what i mean who are in the middle of like the republican conservative thing and like that information is not going to convince him like his main fan base that's going out and voting for him in november is not going to be convinced by finding out that he's a pedophile no they don't care those are the people who are in the cult, not the conservatives, not the Republicans, but them. And the, the other ones who are just still voting for him are just completely going to hell. Hey. His, uh, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> those are the ones turning a blind eye and it's just like, OK, well, yeah, I, I think, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's people have picked their sides. 
And so yeah. it doesn't really matter what you discover in all of this, which right. is part of why it's so fascinating that people are like so passionate about proving that Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. It's yeah. like, who are you trying to convince, bro? Like nobody's going to become a better person by the, the revelation no. that comes out of this. And it's not going to matter. It makes no difference. It's not going to matter. Even if they find out that Trump did it, he's not going to jail for that. No, like he's not. He's not, not going to allow all. himself to. So it's just like, I don't really know the importance in that. Just go go with your gut that he's just bad and keep moving off of that. I think the less attention we give to all of these things, the yeah. that's the best we can do. That like, I agree. Even, you know, we, uh, I'm sure you're tracking the journey of Kanye and his presidency run. And like, I refuse to even read the article. I was like, I can't go here with, uh-uh. I was a kid, you know what I mean? When I fell in love with you. We have to stop giving him attention. Yes. He can't be a thing anymore. We just have to sit and decide that this is just, you are not a thing. I'm good. We ain't it no more. You know what we did with people like Chingy or like how we just decided as a culture, you were no longer relevant. Your, uh, <laughs> your opinions hold no weight yep. on anything. Uh, it was good while we knew you. We need to mm -hmm. do that with he who shall not be named. Like, I think <laughs> we have to stop allowing that person to have the weight. I love that campaign speech. Treat Kanye like Chingy 2020. Take it to the interwebs. Kanye is Chingy at this point, as far as I'm concerned. You know what I mean? It's not like I don't care. I'm, I'm, I hope Chingy is I hope okay Chingy somewhere. is thriving. Yeah, but I'm not, but I'm I am thinking. not going to root for him, nor am I going to root against him, but I am not giving Chingy attention, even if he comes out with a brand new chicken head. And that's how I feel. And I feel like we need to do that with that person. And I just, it's good. <laughs> uh, I refuse, at this point, I just refuse, I just can't even yeah, say Yeah, you full on gave him Voldemort. I love it. Because that's what he right. is. Look at yeah. Like, then look at what's happening right now. I'm like, you can't summon him. You can't. Yeah, it, it's a weird power. I think what's fascinating about uh, he who shall not be named uh, <laughs> is he's one of the first figures. And this is the part of him that I do. I am fascinated with and slightly respect is he's one of the first black people in history who have upset almost literally every faction of white america and still mm -hmm. thrives as yes yeah. like he didn't yeah. become a new thing you know what i mean like he's yeah, remained yeah, yeah. the crazy he was and just amped yeah. it up as he went along and somehow yeah. has has not been broken in any way well yeah i mean it depends on how you look at the world and entertainment and i include politics yeah. and entertainment it is now but I think for people who even quote unquote love him, like I watch people talk about him and his legendary status or like, this is cool, blah, blah, blah. They love the spectacle of right. him. And I think like that's the danger in that zone is once you give yourself up to just be a spectacle to people, mm -hmm. you're not like living a full life anymore. You're not living um, in connection with the other human beings on on the ground because it's, it's not a, you know I think you and I are pretty much I guess we're uh, I wouldn't consider myself liberal I think I'm more like radical leaning liberal mm -hmm. and I feel like you're probably in the same boat but 
I don't feel like that person is in touch with things and, and now they don't have the ability to be anymore. So it's hard for me to give them any energy whatsoever. I think to your point, it's not human. It's sort of like, and there's no more ability to even recognize what the human choices are. You just yeah, sort of exactly. are moving yep. however you can move for attention. And so yep. it's it's like, all right, well, whatever happens, happens, but I'm going to, you know, I'm going to yeah. say some wild shit and I'm going to do something crazy and make people react really. And some of it, it, you're sort of saying it like you're so dead inside that yeah. that the only real humanity you can find is if a hundred thousand people are like you're a fucking idiot or you're the yes. greatest in the world or whatever yes it's very joker like mm-hmm. like i'm just gonna create well not recent joker but um dark yeah. Knight joker the like joker everybody likes. Like, yeah <laughs> like i'm just going to be chaos uh-huh. and you like give yourself up to chaos and so that's what you come to bring us like chaos santa every once in a while <laughs> and i'm that. That's he's just throwing is. mayhem out of a red bag and a is that not what this was? It like, really is. Like, I was minding my business, not celebrating July the 4th, <laughs> and I see that tweet, and I'm just like, Fuck. I was drunk, <laughs> and I read it, and I was like, oh, come on, man. And then I just, I, I kept drinking, but it didn't, it was like obstructive. Yes, that's what that's what everyone's reaction was this time. I was like, we have enough to deal with. Like, now you're just inserting chaos into our, and, and that to me is anti Yes. <laughs> Yes, it's a hundred percent anti-black. I think Woo! I think to your point, any effort to create any more mayhem than black people are already going through is the most Seriously. anti-black thing you could do. Absolutely. I can't believe that that person is doing this to us. Any any semblance of like respect I had, which had all started going out the window since like four years ago, it was absolutely going with that. Sure. Thing. If you do something that makes my mama go, I don't know, I'm tired, then you are acting up. <laughs> right? My mama's tired enough. Stop doing shit that's going like, to make my mama more tired. Seriously. Like, I can't. How do you, listen, why are we here? I don't Let's know. See, <laughs> you want to talk more about those pedophiles from before? No. <laughs> Everything's so bad. Everything's mayhem. Everything's chaos. Oh, but you God. know what? We had a great time. We did. Yeah, this was, so nice this was a great time. Uh, Quinta, this is it. That was the end of the game. We just we just make up oh. some bullshit and then we, we go on. But this was a fun episode. Will you tell all of my listeners where they can find you? Where's the next cool thing they can see you doing cool shit? Yeah, sure. So this summer, you can see me on a new sci-fi cartoon. You can hear me, rather, called Magical Girl Friendship Squad. It's actually really good. I just saw the first episode and was blown away. Takes a lot for me to be proud of things that I'm in, but I'm actually just like, yeah. wow, this is really fucking good. Um, so please check that out. It comes on Sci-Fi's new Midnight um, Animation Block, and I'm sure you can watch it anywhere. Uh, other things are things I can't talk about, so that sucks. Yeah, and follow follow be out on all the on all them apps. Yes, follow me on Instagram. I'm taking a break from Twitter, but follow me. I might tweet every once in a while. Um, Quinta B on Instagram and Quinta Brunson Fuck on yeah. Twitter. And you can follow me at Langston Kerman on all of the apps. I ain't taking a break. I'm toxic. 
And then uh, also check out the boys September 4th. I'm going to be up in it. And that's pretty Oh, cool. my God. Yeah, that's so exciting. Yeah. Then. They I made me you... get buff for no reason at all. I did not know you were in it. How many episodes are you in? We can talk about this later. Sorry. Yeah, we'll yeah. talk about it off the air. I don't have to air out everything. No, you don't. Sorry. <laughs> Well, this has been another wonderful episode of My Mama Told Me. Thank you again to Quinta Brunson. Good night. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. If tonight's movie night is just what you need, make it special with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies.